This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Good morning. My name is Allison Kilpatrick, and I'm a senior at Apex High School. I've been coming to Apex United Methodist Church since I was about as young as those little guys down there. I remember when there was a playground right over there somewhere, and that this old building was really old and white, and it wasn't as pretty as it was right now. Um, I've been involved in youth group really, really intensely since um, sixth grade. I was confirmed here, and there's been minimal amounts of Sunday nights that I've missed ever since. My small group is like my second family, and my leaders, Christy and Mandy, are my church moms. If you ask me about pilgrimage or AOSP, I'll never stop talking. One thing you should know about me is I'm a planner, sort of. Um, I don't really always use my time as wisely as I should. If you ask my mom how great I am about deadlines, she could get up here and talk for hours. (laughs) Um, I'm a thinker and a planner in the way that um, when something is going to happen, if there's a situation that's going to occur, I think exactly how I want it to happen. I plan it down to the second. Um, So if something were to not happen the way I wanted it to happen, I'd be kind of frazzled. A good example is test day. You go into the test, um, after a full night of studying, you're ready. Um, You sit down, you've got your pencils sharpened, you have your calculator all set up, the teacher passes out the test, and you read the first question, and uh, did you even learn that? Like, what am I reading right now? Even worse is when you finish the whole test, and then the next day when she passes it out, you see this paper, and it's full of red, covered in corrections, and she gets to your desk, and she hands it to you. And you're like, oh, no, this is not how I thought that was going to go. I thought I was prepared for this. Another example could be maybe you're on a youth choir tour, and your bus breaks down on 64. I know a lot of the people behind me know all about that. Another thing that goes with um, meticulously planning out instances is that once they happen, I never stop thinking about them. I have a really bad habit of going back and pondering, um, maybe what could I have done different, or what could have changed, like why did I say that, or why did I let that happen? Um, One instance that has stuck with me ever since it happened, um, and still affects me to this day, and it's resonated in my brain, is something that happened to me at, you guessed it, AOSP. Um, I figured it would be a great story to tell since it's all week centered on youth serving and today is Youth Sunday. So this was the summer of 2015. My group was in Holly Springs at the house of Joe and Veda Fagler. Um, Joe was a retired United Methodist preacher and his wife Veda was super sweet. They were both really nice to us. Um, They definitely enriched the whole experience. I was really glad that they were able to be our homeowners. Um, Some of the things we did that week where we fixed the porch, we took it down and completely redid it. We added railing to the stairs and we fixed the actual steps of the stairs. Um, Mr. Joe had had a leg injury and he was using a cane, so we made his whole entire house more adaptable to him and his injury. We were able to help him out with that. Um, Joe and Veda, like I said, were super, super sweet. We had devotions with them during lunch, and Miss Veda even bought us a watermelon one time, and it was really cool because we were out and it was hot and it was nice to have a fresh, cold fruit. So this happened, the instant that is still stuck with me, this happened um, on the last day of AOSP on Friday. So we were done, we had done all our work, it looked great, like I'm telling you, it looked really great. Um, so we were signing a card to say goodbye, we were going to go in and say our final goodbyes to Joe and Beta. I don't know how it worked out, but I ended up being the last person on my work team outside in the car. So I'm, I'm leaning on the hood of the van, like trying to 
sign my name on the card, what should I write, everybody else has already written such cool things on the last one, what do I have to say? Um, and I see this car zoom around the corner and come and park in the house next to Joe and Veda's. Um, it was kind of a historical building. I really don't even know to this day what kind of building was next to it. But there hadn't been any neighbors come over or there hadn't been anybody there. And so this car speeding around the corner, it kind of, it wasn't expected. I didn't really, I was kind of weirded out by it. Um, but I ignored it. I just kept signing like, Allison, like watching him around the corner like, what's going on? Um, a man gets out of the car and he comes over and starts walking to me, walking over to me. And I'm thinking, Okay, I'm out here in a huge yard all by myself. I don't have anybody with me. Like, I, what is going to happen? Um, so he comes over, and I'm like gathering my things, like tucking the card in the envelope, like maybe I'm gonna make a break for it and just finish signing in the house. But he comes over and he goes, excuse me, excuse me, like I, I work over there and I have a computer business and I've been seeing what you guys were doing with this porch, like it looks so amazing and I, my ramp over there, I need you to fix it and like da 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 da, and he just kept rambling and I'm there like, huh? I was deer in headlights. Who are you and why are you talking to me? When he didn't, when I didn't respond, he asked, "Can I speak with your supervisor? Do you have a business card that I could see?" And I, and then it clicked. I was like, "Oh!" And then I explained to him to him that this is AOSP. Like we're a whole bunch of youth. We come out here and um, we work on people's houses, spreading the word of Christ. Like this is what we spend a week of our summer doing. And he, as I was explaining, his whole entire demeanor just changed. He came in there like, oh my gosh, I need your help. And he was so calm after I finished talking. And he looked at me and he said, what he said um, is what actually is, res is what has stuck with me ever since and has changed my view on volunteering, on AOSP, on everything. He said, wow, if y'all can get out and do this, you guys, then maybe we can too. Um, at the end of the day, I went over by myself, I walked to the edge of Joe and Beta's yard, and I looked across the street. We were in downtown Holly Springs, so there were like little, little strip mall, little old businesses across the street. And sure enough, there was a computer store over there with a huge ramp. And I had no, I, he said that he had been watching us all week, and I realized that he, he was, he was right across the street. Um, the man's word has have stuck with me ever since. And something that I couldn't really get out of my head was, why us? Like, there were plenty of people in the phone book you could just call up, somebody that you could trust way more than a group of teenagers. Like, we're just some random teenagers in jeans and t-shirts out here learning how to do this thing. We're not professionals. This was definitely a God moment for me. Another example of um, this weird kind of selection, unexpected selection, happens in 1 Samuel um, chapter 16. When, Sam, when God sent Samuel out to go find the next king of Israel. So a little bit of background. The current king was Saul, and he had kind of fallen out of favor with God. Um, he didn't follow, fully follow the Lord's instructions, but instead he acted greedily, and he became more and more concerned with his own interest instead of the will of God. So in Samuel 15, prior to sending Samuel out, we, we see that the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul, over his king, Saul king over Israel. God's sadness tells us just how invested he was ensuring the well-being of his people. So he doesn't waste any time going out and searching for a new king. So let's read 1 Samuel 16, starting with verse 1. One day he said, Samuel, I've rejected Saul, and I refuse to let him be king any longer. Stop feeling sad about him. 
put some olive oil in a small container and go visit a man named Jesse, who lives in Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be my king. Samuel answered, if I do that, Saul will find out and have me killed. Take a calf with you, the Lord replied. Tell everyone you've come to offer it as a sacrifice to me. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. When I show you which one of the sons I have chosen, pour the olive oil on his head. Samuel did what the Lord told him and went to Bethlehem. The town leaders went to meet him, but they were terribly afraid and asked, is this a friendly visit? Yes, it is, Samuel answered. I've come to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Get, your, get yourselves ready to take part in the sacrifice and come with me. Samuel also invited Jesse and his sons to come to the sacrifice, and he got them ready to take part. When Jesse and his sons arrived, Samuel noticed Jesse's oldest son, Eliab. He has to be the one the Lord has chosen, Samuel said to himself. But the Lord said, Samuel, don't think Eliab is the one just because he's tall and handsome. He isn't the one I've chosen. People judge others by what they look like, but I judge people by what is in their hearts. Jesse told his son Abinadab to go over to Samuel, but Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen him. Next, Jesse sent his son Shammah to him, and Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen him either. Jesse had all seven of his sons go over to Samuel. Finally, Samuel said, Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these young men. Do you have any more sons? Yes, Jesse answered. My youngest son David is out taking care of the sheep. Send for him, Samuel said. We won't start the ceremony until he gets here. Jesse sent for David. He was healthy and good-looking with a sparkle in his eyes. As soon as David came, the Lord told Samuel, He's the one. Get up and pour the olive oil on his head. Samuel poured the olive, the, oil, the olive oil on David's head while his brothers watched. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord took control of David and stayed with him from then on. So in this passage, God sent Samuel to find the next king, and his plans for Israel are already in motion because not only has he narrowed down the applicant pool to just a family, he's already picked out exactly which son he wants. He gives Samuel the instructions, take olive oil and a cow. So imagine you're packing for summer camp, and you have this list of things, toothbrush, swimsuit, um, water shoes, olive oil, and a cow. I'd be like, what kind of summer camp is this? Like, what are we doing? Um, but seriously, the Lord is giving Samuel um, his game plan. He says, buddy, look, take some olive oil and bring good old Bessie to Bethlehem. It's going to be great. When you get there, invite Jesse's sons and tell the leaders to come and take part and get yourselves ready. Boom. Samuel's throwing a party and you guys are all invited. Get yourselves ready. Um, when Jesse hears that Samuel's coming around looking for a king, he gets all of his best sons ready. Um, when Samuel notices Eliab, he says, dang, that's an Israelite king if I've ever seen one. Samuel thinks that surely the king's anointed stands here. It's got to be him, just because of the way he looks. Um, there was an idea that, back in the day, a king was strong and powerful, physically fit, and he was also very militarient, um, or militant. So we know that Saul fit this description, and we can imagine that from Samuel's reaction, Eliab fits this bill as well. Um, the established, good-looking firstborn is the type of ruler that the people want. Certainly, it's the kind of ruler that Samuel expects to be chosen. He's the wise prophet. He's got to be right, right? Jesse also expects the decision to be in favor of his oldest son, the worthiest son, because these are the ones that he shows off to Samuel. But we see that God isn't limited to the boundaries of our expectations. He tells Samuel basically not to judge the book by its cover. 
in verse 7, we're going to read it again. He says, Samuel, don't look at Eliab. Don't think Eliab is the one just because he's tall and handsome. He isn't the one I've chosen. People judge others by what they look like, but I judge people by what is in their hearts. So God knows that the people of Israelite are expecting another stereotypical leader, somebody strong that can fight their battles. But God already tried this with Saul, and it didn't really work out. His decision on the next king won't be influenced by what people think they want, but instead he opts for something or someone whom he knows will be good for the nation of Israel in the long run. So, um, one fun fact about me, I love Disney. Um, Whenever we have Disney competitions or trivia competitions at youth group, my small group pretty much always dominates. I don't think we've ever lost. Just saying. So as I was trying to make a deeper connection with the scripture, I somehow connected this story of Samuel and David to Walt Disney's Cinderella. So if you aren't familiar with the movie, or you just think I'm crazy, just roll with me. So Cinderella is our main character. She lives with her ugly stepmother and her stepsisters. Um, While the stepsisters are spoiled, Cinderella is demoted to servant status. She cleans, she serves the tea, she handles animals, um, all of the above. But when Prince Charming has a ball, her fairy godmother comes up here and does some bippity-boppity-boo magic, and she's able to go to the ball and dance with the prince. At midnight, she makes a break for it, and she ends up losing her slipper in the process. So her prince must go around from girl to girl and try on the slipper until he finds the perfect fit. Imagine that Samuel is trying on a slipper, and he's trying to find out which of Jesse's sons is the perfect fit that God is looking for for Israel. Jesse sends Abinadab to Samuel, but he doesn't fit the slipper. He's not God's perfect fit. Next, Jesse tries Shammah, but he isn't the one. At this point, our slipper has been tried on all of the eligible maidens in the kingdom, on all of Jesse's most eligible sons, but the Lord hasn't selected any of them. Samuel's probably wondering, like, God told me that it was going to be one of Jesse's sons. Why haven't you picked any of them? He has enough faith in God to think things through, and he says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? And then when Jesse says, oh, yeah, David, the youngest, he's with the sheep. Samuel, it's all Samuel can't do to shout, like, go get him. What are you thinking? This has got to be the guy. Um, When... David gets there, the Lord immediately recognizes him as the next king of Israel. He tells Samuel to get up and pour that olive oil on his head. This is my princess. The slipper fits David. Samuel does so, and his brothers and his father watch as Daniel is anointed. We can imagine that Jesse and his sons are shocked. David is the runt of the family as the youngest kid. When Jesse says he's with the sheep, we can assume that David is a shepherd. Shepherds are the ones who are tending to the animals all day. They're out in the heat. They sleep with the animals. They're kind of gross. They don't really have the highest, they don't really occupy the highest rung on the popularity ladder. Um, David's occupation was considered lowly, and he himself was seen as insignificant. There was such a little amount of importance placed upon him that his own family couldn't couldn't bother to invite him to the sacrifice. So David, the shepherd boy, becomes our Cinderella character. David being anointed as the next king of Israel, him being chosen instead of one of the other boys, how unexpected can it get? When when Samuel and Jesse believe they know who will fulfill the position, God intervenes with expectations of his own. He sees past the negative label on David and looks into into David's heart. 
he has a heart for the Lord. With the Holy Spirit in him, David goes on to achieve things greater than what's expected of him. We know that he goes on to defeat Goliath with just a stone and a, sling, a slingshot, which I, for one, probably like, couldn't even get to work correctly, let alone make it into a lethal weapon. And we know that he brings success to Israel as a leader. Out there um, on our work site at AOSP, we were just teenagers out there in the heat. In July, we were sweating. We were just as young and as dirty and as unqualified as David. However, we were called to go out there and break our labels and break expectations that other people had of us. God saw the potential in David. He saw the potential in the youth participating in AOSP. In church, he sees the potential in all of you. At the time of Pentecost, on this Pentecost Sunday, we see God once again altering our expectations. Typically, you can expect the Holy Spirit to fall upon prophets and leaders such as King David. In the passage from Samuel, one person is selected and one person receives the Holy Spirit. However, at Pentecost, the entire church body receives the Holy Spirit and everyone can have a relationship with God. In Acts 2, verse 2, it reads, It filled the whole building, and then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. We are then instructed by Peter to receive the Holy Spirit, that it comes to us and to all who are far away, and to whom, whomever our God invites. At Pentecost, God not only chooses David, he chooses me and you and all of us. Now the whole body of the people has the same spirit of the Lord that David had in him. We are all invited to go out and defy the expectations set by the stereotype against us. When God grants the people with the Holy Spirit, we are all selected for our own Cinderella moments, for our own God moments, just like David was. At Pentecost, we see God move in unexpected ways amongst us, just like he did through David. We can all become strong leaders and live our lives for Christ in our own communities by placing our trust in God's plan. Will you guys join me in prayer? Hey God, I ask that you help us to see the unexpected moments in our day-to-day -day lives. Help us to know that everything you do for us is all a part of, our greater, of the greater plan that you have for us, even when it seems a little scary and unexpected. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.